Well, hello everyone. I'm so glad that you're watching today. It is uh, interesting right now, our times, but I'm really glad that you guys are here. And I just feel like it is a blessing from God that this is happening right now when we can live stream. Isn't that a great thing? I, I think it is. And I'm really glad that you are joining us. In, in case you're wondering, even as of this past Thursday, we were thinking that we were going to have an in-person worship service today, but obviously that didn't happen. So we heard some new information from Governor Jared Polis. He gave an announcement that Friday morning. And later that afternoon, I jumped on a conference call with him as well as a bunch of faith leaders in our state. And Jared Polis just made the request to us that we would try to limit all gatherings, public gatherings, to under 250. And even if you were going to meet under that uh, 250, that you would try to keep people or groups like families six feet apart. And we just say that's probably not possible. So what we realize is that this is is something that's weird, it's strange, and we just ask you to embrace the weirdness. Just embrace the weirdness for a a few weeks or as long as this takes so that we can continue to worship together weekly as a family because we believe that that is so, so important. So I want to encourage you to do that. Also, some of you are wondering, well, you know, is this just a a fearful reaction? And we want to say no. We're, We're not afraid of getting this virus. But what we do want to do is serve our community and love our neighbors by not providing a place that the virus could continue to spread because it is a communicable disease. So we are trying to just serve our community and make sure that we are not the ones who are bringing the virus to our neighbors. If you're wondering, well, what are we going to do for, for sermons, for messages coming up? We are going to continue our Change Agents series, as you just saw in the promo a minute ago. And we'll be jumping into the message in just a minute, but I do want to say this. I realize that some of you are experiencing fear. Some of you are afraid because of the virus or or for some family members or maybe even yourself because you are someone that could be affected by this virus. Or or maybe you're afraid because of the financial things that are going on, the market, what's going to happen to my job, the the stock market, am I going to be able to to live or retire on what's going on? And I realize that this is so important. So I'm going to do something special over the next 15 days. I'm going to do a five-minute or about video devotional that's going to be free that you can find and sign up for if you go to stapletonchurch.com slash devotional. So if you go to that page on our website, you can sign up for that devotional and it'll get sent to your email inbox. And this is going to be really good. It's just this video devotional. They're going to be short, but it's just a way that we together can take steps to journey from fear to faith. And I believe that this is so important for us at this time. So make sure that you sign up for that and look out for that. Um, And we are going to jump into our series, and and I thought long and hard, prayed a ton about whether I should do a different message, a special message. It seems like such a bizarre time in our nation's history, but I really felt like the message we are going to give today and the ones coming up in the, the next few weeks are so important for such a time as this. Why? Because we want to make the gospel go viral. You know, people are at home. They're afraid. They have more time on their hands. People are wondering what to do. There's only so much shows you can watch on Netflix before you need something real of substance. And we believe that with the messages that we're delivering and with we as individuals, as the church, we can go out and send texts to encourage people, give phone calls to people who who may be lonely and isolated, that we can find our neighbors who are in need and help them in practical ways, like buying their groceries or picking up a prescription for an elderly family. Whatever you can do, we want to make the gospel go viral at this time. And I think we can all do that as individuals, and we're going to continue to do that because it's so important now. 
It's so important now. So that's what we're going to do, and that's why this message that we're going to talk about today actually gets to the very, very heart of the gospel. Because the gospel is the good news that Jesus came to love us, to die for us, to purchase for us a better life. And at the heart of that is forgiveness. So today we're going to jump into our message, our series, Change Agents, with a fifth message in that series, Forgiven Much. And if you're just jumping in for the first time, because I know that we have some people joining us, maybe for the first time ever, welcome. I'm so glad you're with us today. You're going to be able to jump into this message, and with your extra time, maybe you can go back and listen or watch some of the messages from this series. Because we are investigating Jesus. Investigating Jesus. Uh, Luke was a historian and he wanted to find out as much as he could about Jesus, write down an account, interview eyewitnesses, go to the locations where some of the events in Jesus' life took place so that he could write them down for us. So Luke was the one who investigated Jesus, and what we're going to see in this section of the gospel, according to Luke, is that he, Jesus, calls us to be change agents. Calls us to be change agents. And that starts with forgiveness. I just want you to imagine now for a moment Just imagine if before you could go anywhere, you had to put on a name tag. Sometimes you do this for work or or when you go to a party or, or to a new gathering of people. But imagine if on your name tag, not only did it say your name, but get this, it also said the worst sin you have ever committed. And that was your identity. So when you were introduced, it would say something like, Jane, thief. It would say, Eric, adulterer. It would say things like, Tim, embezzler. It it doesn't even matter if you only did the thing once, but whatever your worst sin was, that's what would be written on your name tag. Just imagine it says, Brett, porn watcher, or Rachel, divorcee, and you have to carry that identity everywhere you go. And even people you don't know see that sin, and they can judge you immediately. Some of you know what that feels like because you do carry it around when you get around that group of friends who all knows what you did. Or or you go in your town and you see people or at your workplace, they all know who you slept with. Sometimes we have these burdens and they can weigh us down. When we go out, sometimes it does feel like we feel naked like that, that we're exposed, that our worst sins are out there. And I just want you to imagine what that would feel like because I think what we would all feel is shame. That we would be ashamed that everyone can see that terrible sin, that thing that we did, that we regret, the guilt that we feel. We wish we could go back and change it. But just imagine with that name tab walking around, it becomes almost your identity. Now, I believe that that is the feeling that the woman that we're going to be introduced to in our story would have felt. And this was a woman who had quite a past, And when she went into her small town, everyone knew what she had done. They literally call her in this passage, Sinner. That is her title, Sinner. And I just want you to imagine what she must have felt like as she went to a banquet with Jesus. Now what's really interesting is we're going to see this woman, and I think we can learn so much from her, not only about how we can overcome our past, that we can actually learn to imitate her example. That she is one that we can look to and learn from and imitate. 
And that's why this story is so important and gets to the heart of why Jesus even was here on this earth. So if you have a Bible or if you're on a smartphone or or maybe you can open up another tab on your laptop, I want you to open up to Luke chapter 7, verse 36. And we're going to go from verses 36 all the way till the end of the chapter. And we're going to see this story about this woman, this sinner, as she met Jesus for the first time. In verse 36, we read, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. So this woman goes to the banquet. Now this Pharisee, the religious leader, would have invited Jesus over, thrown a banquet because there was a guest of honor that was among them. And this woman perhaps sneaks in. I doubt she would have gotten an invitation because she was the one with the sinful reputation. Everyone knew who she was. You know, perhaps you're familiar with this. You remember maybe back to high school or or to a workplace that you got fired from or or even the small town. I, I spent five and a half years in a small town in Nebraska. And I had never lived in a small town before, but when I got there, I realized there is something different about small town life because everyone knows everything that you have done. It really is true. And I remember going there and meeting new people, and people would pull me aside afterwards and in hushed tones say, oh, this person, they were in prison. Or or they would say, oh, yeah, he slept with that person's wife. Because they all knew the backstories, but I didn't, so they were filling me in. They were just kind of educating me, right? We, we would maybe put that name tag as gossip after that. But that's what we do, right? People talk about it, maybe in hushed tones, or, or maybe there's some purpose. Oh, be careful with that person. This is what happens, because the identity is now spread out as people see this person. And I imagine this is what this woman would have felt like going into this party. Everyone saw her come in. But she goes up to Jesus, because... She must have known there was something different about Jesus than everybody else. Than everybody else. Because what she does is bizarre. She walks up to Jesus, and he's reclining at the table. Now, we sit at dining room tables in our culture, but in the Middle East, even to this day, they often recline at the table. Meaning they would lay at the, the, the table, and there would be some cushions, and you'd kind of rest your left elbow, and you'd eat with your right hand. And what that meant was that everybody's legs, their bodies were kind of spread out from the table so their feet would be facing backwards. So this woman then now approaches Jesus' feet from behind him. So perhaps the other people at the other side of the table would have seen this woman come in. And as she's walking up to Jesus, she begins to weep. She's crying and she's crying loudly. People can hear her. They see her. She's walking up to Jesus and they think, what the heck is she doing? And as she begins to weep, she starts with her tears to cry on Jesus' feet. And then with her hair, she lets it down and begins to wipe off Jesus' feet. And we read in the passage that she had that alabaster jar of perfume. It was probably on a necklace around her neck. And she takes off this jar of perfume and begins to pour it on Jesus' feet to help his dirty, stinky feet begin to smell good. So with her tears, with her hair, with this perfume from around her neck, she is washing Jesus' feet. Now this is bizarre. (laughs) 
this is not even normal for the first century A.D., okay, when Jesus lived. This is not normal. What is going on here? If you would see something like this, even today, you would be a little bit freaked out, wondering, what the heck is this woman doing? Why is she acting like this, and what is she doing here? You would wonder, the host, this Pharisee who, who, who lives at this house, why isn't he doing something about her? You'd maybe even look around, where's the security? Okay, we're, let's get the bouncer, let's get this woman out of here. And this is exactly what they were feeling. In verse 39 we read, When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him, and what kind of woman she is, that she is a, you see it, sinner. That she is a sinner. That term sinner is almost used, like I said, as a title here. This is on her name tag. She's sinner. Probably the way this was used in the first century, that this phrase sinner meant that this woman was likely a prostitute. She's a professional. That she is engaging in her work in sexual activity. So people would have known this about her. At the very least, they would have seen her as an adulteress. And that is her title. It's emblazoned on her name tag as she walks up to Jesus and is wiping and washing his feet. She is a sinner. And even though this religious leader, though he doesn't say it, it's written all over his face, right? Perhaps you've seen that when you see someone in those just eyes that they look at you and they think sinner. They can read and maybe know some of the worst things that you have done in the past. What's really interesting is, yes, we can put ourselves in the place of the sinner because we know our sinful past. We know the the worst sin. If it was written on our name tag, we would be ashamed. But I think we can also put ourselves in the shoes of this Pharisee who we'll learn in a second is named Simon. Because if we were able to see the name tags of other people, we would see things like adulterer, we would see things like convict, like drunk driver or addict, murderer, and we would look at these other people and we'd think, well, at least I haven't done that. At least I haven't done that. I, I mean, I'm bad. I, I got a liar. I mean, I've, I, I've said the Lord's name in vain a few times. Uh, I, I'll, I'll admit to that, but, but I haven't done that. See, when sin comes up, it begins to be a comparison game. And we say, yes, I've done bad. I'll, I'll admit it, of course. But that person... Oh, when we get around those people and we know how long they've spent in prison, how, why they were fired from that job, the people that they slept with, we get around those people and we think, whoa, sinner, at least I'm not that person. And that's exactly how Simon felt. That's how Simon felt. But Jesus begins to address Simon and he says, I have something to tell you. (laughs) And Simon says, okay, go for it. And in verse 41, Jesus tells a story. He says, Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now he asks, Which of them will love him more? Simon replied in verse 43, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Now, it's interesting um, that we often talk about a debt being canceled or paid off, but the word in Greek being 
uh, paid off and forgiven is the same thing. So a debt and a, a sin are very similar language here. It's even why in the Lord's Prayer, uh, depending on which denomination maybe you grew up going to a church, you remember, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Others say forgive us our sins. Others our trespasses. The same word. But Jesus uses that word and he says, okay, just imagine this. This denarii, and a denarii at the time was a day's wage. So think about someone being paid a day's wage and they owe 50 of those day's wages. So I don't know how much you're paid for a day, but just imagine about two months of your salary that you owe. And then another person has 50 denarii, so take this as 50 days, uh, so, or I'm sorry, 500 days. Just imagine this is almost two years of your salary. We, we take this maybe in the realm, a lot of you have student debt that are watching right now. So just think about it with Jesus' question with student debt. Who would be the happier at their debt being forgiven? The person who owes $20,000 in student debt? or the person who owes $200,000 of student debt? Yes, some of you are like, I wish. I wish. But just imagine, who's going to be happier? Who's going to be more grateful? Of course, the answer is the one who has the bigger debt forgiven. If you had $200,000 paid off, man, life would be good. Life would be good. They would love the person who canceled their debt, who forgave their debt even more. And the answer is obvious to Simon, it's obvious to us, it was obvious to Jesus at the same time. But then Jesus begins to flip the script. He says, you have judged correctly. And then he turned to the woman, the sinner. And he looked at Simon too, and he said, Simon, do you see this woman? When I came into your house... You did not give me any water to wash my feet. This is important in the Middle East. Um, showing respect to someone, showing hospitality to someone to come in is so important. And they would wear sandals and walk around in the dirt. Today, you might the, the equivalent would be taking off your shoes so you don't get someone's white carpet dirty. But in those days, you offered water so they could wash their dirty feet and then enter your house. But Simon didn't offer any of that. But the woman, what did she do? She used her own tears to wet Jesus' feet. And then Jesus goes on. He says, Simon, you didn't give me a kiss of greeting when I came in the door. This would be common today that giving someone a hug or a handshake, though, you probably shouldn't do that right now, right? According to the CDC. Too soon? But you know, we're not supposed to... We do that. When you greet someone at the door, you say, hello, you give them a physical greeting. But Simon did nothing of the sort when Jesus came in. He ignored him. But not so the woman, Jesus says. Not so she hasn't stopped kissing my feet. Just think about that for a second. Kissing my feet, this woman has been to Jesus. And then Jesus goes on. He says, Simon, you didn't put any oil on my head. And this would have been saying, hey, it's time to clean up. You've been out traveling for a while, probably from another village. This would have been an opportunity like we do today. Hey, do you want to wash up in the bathroom for a minute? Do you want to take a minute to go into the bedroom and and, uh, put yourself together before the party starts? But Simon did none of those things. But Jesus says, the woman, however, she has brought this expensive perfume, not just common oil that everybody has in their cupboard. She brought the best perfume most valuable perfume, and she pours it on my feet, Jesus says. 
See, in the Middle East, even to this day, it is so critical to show someone hospitality when they come to visit you. It's a sign of showing honor to another person, respect. And in the culture of those days, it was disrespectful. It was rude. Simon here was being a jerk. He invited Jesus over, but obviously it wasn't to show him honor. He invited him over probably for some other reason, to question him, interrogate him, to to show Jesus that he's getting some of his religious ideas wrong. He's trying to be a jerk to Jesus, and everyone would have seen it, because in that culture it was a big deal not to greet a guest, not to give them oil, not to offer water for them to wash their feet. This is incredibly disrespectful for Simon. But Jesus says, not so for the woman. This woman has gone way above and beyond anything that anyone should do for showing hospitality. With tears, with kissing my feet, with washing my feet with her hair. She's doing everything to express that she not only shows respect, but love to me. And that's why in verse 47, Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. What Jesus is trying to teach us today is that those who are forgiven much, love much. Those who are forgiven much, love much. In equal proportion to the forgiveness of the debt that has been taken off their account. They love with an equal expression, Because they want to say, thank you so much. Wow, it's so incredible that you paid off my student debt. How could you take away this? With this sin, this guilt that I've been carrying around, this shame that I've been feeling, I don't have to feel it any longer? You're going to look at me like a normal human being and not judge me anymore? This woman is incredibly grateful and she expresses that love out of the forgiveness she has felt by being accepted by Jesus. Those who are forgiven much, love much. A few years ago, there was a wide receiver in the NFL. And one night, whether he was under the influence or or angry or what, he was at a concert. And during the concert, he got angry and went on a tirade and he said a word, a racial slur. And it was, of course, that racial slur. He was a white man and he was uh, on a team, of course, made up of a lot of African Americans. And as is the case in a lot of times today, it was video recorded and it was published online and everyone saw what this man had said. The next day when it got out, he, he immediately apologized and he was profuse in his apology saying, I should never have said that. I didn't mean it. I'm so sorry for anybody I've wronged and offended. And why I bring up this story it is not because of what this man felt because he, according to the whole world, would have been, you know, racist. Can you imagine that label? Racist. But what's interesting is the reaction of two of his African-American teammates. See, the first one, the star running back for the team, when asked, do you forgive your teammate, said, I, I forgive him. We've been friends for a long time. But in a situation like this, you really find out about someone. I can't really respect someone like that. See, with the running back's response, I want you to notice two things that 
he distanced himself from his teammate. He said, I can't respect someone like that. That sinner, that racist. And he says, I forgive him, but you can tell even from just the words he said that his heart was not in it. But I want to contrast that with the response of his quarterback. Because his quarterback said, as a team, this is what he said to the press, he said, as a team, we understood because we all make mistakes in life. And he said, it's easy to forgive him. Did you notice in his response that he didn't distance himself from his teammate? He included himself. We all make mistakes, he said. And then he said, it's easy to forgive him. You can feel the heart behind those words. Now, I find the contrast between those two teammates so fascinating. And in case you didn't pick up on it, who was that quarterback? None other than Michael Vick. Because Michael Vick knew what it meant to be a sinner, to be labeled, because he had just come out of 21 months in a federal penitentiary for funding dogfights. And he had on his label, Michael, animal abuser, criminal. He knew what it was like to be judged, to carry the shame and need the forgiveness of other people. See, those who are forgiven much, love much. Those who are forgiven much, love much. And what this woman shows is a great example of, yes, she has sin. Yes, great sin. A terrible reputation, shame that she's carried. But for Jesus, it's time to put that shame behind. And with Jesus, she is accepted and forgiven for everything she has done. And because of that, she expresses the love back to Jesus. But here's the interesting thing about this story. It wasn't just this woman who needed forgiveness, was it? It wasn't just this woman who needed forgiveness. I want to jump back into verse 42 about something that you may not have noticed. When Jesus tells the story about these two men that owe the different amount of money to the same moneylender, he said in verse 42 that neither of them had the money to pay him back. Did you notice that? Even though one man's debt was ten times larger than the other man, neither of them could pay him back. Neither of them could pay the money back. So what's it matter whether it's $20,000 you could never pay back or $200,000 you could never pay back? Either way, you're in debt for the rest of your life. What Jesus is telling us in this story is that we think our sins are less than others, that this sin isn't as bad as others, but the reality is that we all have a huge, massive debt to pay and none of us could pay it off. Think about this. I got this idea from Tim Keller. If you see uh, or you hear a story about a person who was murdered because someone took a scalpel and they put it right between the rib cage, it punctured the heart, killed the person. Or another person who died because they took a machine gun and shot him filled with 200 bullet holes. Which one of those people are more dead? Which one's more dead? It's an absurd question, right? It doesn't matter if it was one puncture wound or 200 dead person's dead. And in the same way, we are dead in our trespasses and sins, as it says in Ephesians chapter 2. Our sins have been against the great God of the universe. We have dishonored Him. 
We have a cosmic debt that we could never repay in a hundred lifetimes for all the sin that we have done. Whether our label is liar or adulterer, cheat, we abandoned our family, whatever the, the, the identity that we've been wearing, the shame that we've been feeling, whether it's small in our eyes or huge in our eyes or the eyes of others, it doesn't matter. We all have a debt we could never repay. And that's why this Simon, this religious person, needed the forgiveness just as much as the woman. Because here's the thing. He may have looked good. He may have acted good. But what he suffered from the sin was, would be Simon, self-righteous, judgmental, hypocrite. And that sin was just as grave as the sinner's. So if you're watching this right now, I want you to examine your heart. Maybe you are like the sinner. You, you more identify with this woman. and You say, I know the identity I'm bearing. I know my worst sin. If everybody could know it, I would be the most guilty person around. Others of you, though, more identify with Simon. And sometimes you just feel like, I mean, they're the sinners out there. They have it all. They, they have it so bad. Why don't they get their act together? And I don't care who you identify with. The reality is... You have a debt you could never repay. You have sinned against the God of the universe and you deserve to be punished. But the great reality is that Jesus is different than every other human being. In verse 48, after Jesus says that this woman has been forgiven much, he says, it says, then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And in verse 50, he says to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What's interesting is that this woman came in, as Jesus explains, already forgiven. Because she was coming in faith to Jesus. See, I don't want anyone to be confused. The good news of Jesus, the gospel does not say... Do something good for Jesus. Do better things. Love other people. Work really hard. And then you will be loved and accepted. No, no, no. The exact opposite. It says you are loved and accepted and there's forgiveness for you. Therefore, go and love God and others. Don't mess this up. Don't get it backwards. The gospel, what Jesus is saying is that in me you are accepted and loved and forgiven. Or in the words of Lisa Turkhurst, God's love isn't based on you. It's placed on you. I love that. God's love isn't based on you. It's placed on you. This is the heart of the gospel. Because what this woman didn't know, and Jesus may not have had the full idea of what was coming, but he would go, and even though he was perfect, and even though he was sinless and done nothing wrong, if he had a name tag, it would just say Jesus. But he went to suffer And die on our behalf. And when they beat him and they mocked him and they treated him like a criminal, like a sinner, when they took him and they put him up on the cross, what he did for us was he took every single one of our name tags, every sin that we have committed, the worst things we have ever done, and he took every single one of them upon himself. All of our sin went on him. And he suffered. He took the sins of every man, woman, and child who is watching right now upon himself. 
And what Jesus is saying here to this woman, he's saying to you, is that if you believe, if you have faith in him, you are already accepted, you are already loved, you are already forgiven. And what he knows is that those who are forgiven much love much. And out of the overflow of what has happened in your heart, you will go out to love people, to serve people, to do good for God and for others, because your heart has been transformed. Paraphrasing the great philosopher Blaise Pascal, if you only know the wretchedness and guilt of your sin without knowing God, it leads to despair. If you only know about God without a knowledge of your own sin and wretchedness, it leads to pride. But in Jesus, we realize both, that we are both so guilty, our debt is so much beyond what we could ever repay, and we are more loved and accepted than we ever dared hope. It's in the gospel of Jesus that we can have our debts and our sins forgiven once for all. So if you're here watching today, I want to do two things. I want to encourage you, if you've never received the forgiveness of God in Jesus, it's time to do that today. And maybe this is the reason why you're watching. Maybe this is the reason right now for you that you had to be at home and not here on a Sunday morning because today is the day of your salvation. So I want to encourage you to call out to God and I'm going to give you a a prayer here in a moment where you can declare that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and accept His gift of forgiveness just like Scarlett did in our video earlier. But if you're here and you already have been forgiven by Jesus, if He already is your Lord and Savior, I want to challenge you, do not forget that you have been forgiven much. You are a great sinner, but our God is an even greater Savior. So we can and should go out in love. To love God and to love others. And that's what I mean when I say let's make the gospel go viral. We can right now in this time of fear when people don't know what's going on. We can be the agents of change, of love and of reconciliation. To send out encouragement, to share the link for this video. Maybe someone will see it. Maybe you can send it in an email to a friend so that they can find the message of forgiveness and hope in the gospel. Let's make the gospel go viral at this bizarre time we're living in. And as Bobby comes up to lead us in one last song, uh, I want us to take this moment right now to examine ourselves, look at our debt. We know what's written on our name tag. And it's time to take that off and give it to Jesus for his forgiveness. Because those who are forgiven much love much. Let's pray. Lord God, this is just a strange way that we're gathering together this morning, but I pray that you would bless it that we would go out from here forever changed just like that woman was, that she would know that she is forgiven and that we would know that too, that our sins, as grave as they are, as terrible as they are, as much as we've tried to hide them from everyone else, you know them and you still love us, you still accept us. And would we go out in that forgiveness that we would be the ones who love much, that we would make the gospel go viral. And now... um, I just want to take a moment for those who are already followers of Jesus. Would you just take a moment and pray for those who are watching right now? Pray for them that are not followers yet. That you would stir God, that God would stir in their hearts and lead them to salvation today through faith in Jesus who died for them. And as you guys are praying, I just want to give you an opportunity right now 
If you want to make the decision today for the first time to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, to receive the forgiveness of God once and for all, that you can have eternal life and health and hope right now, would you please repeat after me this prayer? Lord God, I confess that I'm a sinner. I need your help. Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you take away my guilt? And would you turn me into a new person? I declare, Jesus, that you are my Lord and Savior. Help me now to follow you and to serve you and to love others with all my heart. In Jesus' name. Now, if you said that prayer for the first time, we want to hear from you. Send us a direct message on Facebook or send us an email to prayer at stapletonchurch.com. We want to pray for you and encourage you and just help you on your journey to take one more step of faith.